All right, you guys ready for this? Mark chapter 14 is where we're going to be this morning, and God has a word for us. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. Now, I know you've had some announcements, so I'm about to give you a few more as soon as you, uh, as you get to your scripture. You may have seen this little card here, Be My Guest. So let's talk Easter Sunday real quick before we get into this text. Easter Sunday, if you did not know, is next Sunday. Who knew that? few people? Okay, all right. You guys are living life organized and focused on the mission. So Easter Sunday is next Sunday. And, you know, we may have some guests. We may not. You know, if we don't invite people to church, they probably won't come. But we might have some guests, okay? And because a lot of people, statistics show people are more open to coming to church on Easter. And what other holiday? Christmas, all right. So... So look, we, we can say, you know, we can get mad at people and say, you know what, we hadn't seen y'all since Christmas, and we can just point our finger in their face, or we can say, you know what, we are so glad you're here. And so this card here, uh, RJ worked these out, uh, worked this up, this little tiny gift, you just say, hey, I'd like to invite you to my church next Sunday, and I'd like you to be my guest And give them the card, that way they won't forget about it. And we'll have our church website on there. They can go find out the time. If they forget what time you told them, 10.30 next Sunday. And they're going to get to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you invite them to be your guest. Another announcement is during the month of April. So if you're a guest today, we say, hey, we're glad you're here. And we're having a focus all through the month of April. uh, Time for us to invite and pray for our one. The one person that we believe that may not know Christ, that we can spend the month of April praying for their salvation, for them to come to know the Lord. So I just want to say a quick checkup. How you doing with that? You know, how's that going? Has it been a challenging? Has it been exciting? Have you seen God move? I hope so. Uh, just Friday, I had uh, was able to have coffee with my one, and, and I was able to share the gospel briefly, but it, but it happened. So I'm praying for my one, that that, that person would come to know Christ. Tonight, if you'd like to share a testimony about that, tonight at the beginning of our service, 6 o'clock. I know some of you didn't know we have a Sunday night service, but we do. We do, and it's, it's a sweet, powerful time of worship we have. 6 o'clock tonight, we're going to have a microphone set up right here on the floor. Where you can come and share and testify about how you've seen God work in the life of your one. Maybe it was a, a small thing, but it was a thing. You know, it was something that God did. Maybe you led somebody to Christ. You need to encourage your brothers and sisters about that. And so tonight you can have that opportunity to share about that, okay? Now next Sunday when they, when we do come, if we do have a few people, we're going to try to get everybody in this room, okay? That's our plan. We're going to get everybody in here. I think we can do it. But let's say that uh, the floods opened up and we had more people come than we thought would come. We have an overflow space in our, in our fellowship hall that we'll have ready to go. I want to invite you to park maybe a little farther away. We will have, you can park at the parking garage uh, the city owns and not many people ever use, and we need to use it. It's a great uh, space, and so you can park over there. And when you come, please come to the center of the, the rows, okay? So it's difficult for people to come as a guest. They may have been to church in 10 years, and, you know, if every, every seat's taken on the outside, they just may get terrified and walk back out the door. Example, I preached a few months ago, ordination service uh, for a family member, and I go to the church, and Allison comes with me, my wife, she comes, and, and so I'm going to meet in the ordination council, so Allison just goes and sits down uh, in a seat in the sanctuary. Well, it comes time for the service, and, 
And this couple walks in and the lady kind of leans down and gets pretty close to beside Allison from behind and said, well, tells her husband's name, I I don't think uh, we're going to be able to sit right here tonight. And uh, Allison told me that story and I didn't know whether to laugh out loud or to be really sad. And, and the reality is, and Allison said, oh, I'm sorry, did I get your seat? And uh, then I got up to preach, and I think the lady about had a cow, because she realized the pastor's wife, she just offended. But, but, you know, that was okay, because Allison loves Jesus. Did you know that? She knows the Lord. She's okay. Doesn't bother her. She's good. She's tough. But what if Allison would have been a lady or a man who hadn't come to church in a long time, and had been building up that courage for days and months at a time, years. And they finally come. And that's how they're treated. You think they're going to come back? No way. I just want to say in front of God and everybody, that seat you're sitting in, brother, sister, it's not yours. That's God's seat. This is God's house. And so if you, if you don't like that, well, you need to talk to the Lord about it. Because He loves all people. And that's what... Easter's about. For God so loved the world. He gave His one only Son. So, Lord, please protect us from ever doing that. And if you do, please track that person down, apologize to them, take them to Cracker Barrel, do whatever it takes to, to, to make up for it. And we do. there's nothing wrong with habit. There's nothing wrong with sitting in the same seat. That's good. I mean, that, can I, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But if somebody is in your normal seat, you know, Figure it out. Figure it out. Okay, that's about all the announcements I need to share. Your Gethsemane gift, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. There's several accounts of this Garden of Gethsemane experience. So this is Holy Week. James talked about uh, Palm Sunday and Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Well, we're going to fast forward kind of to the middle of Holy Week, right before Jesus gets arrested, okay? It's probably Wednesday night. Uh, many scholars believe, some even believe it was Tuesday night, or maybe even Thursday night. I think it was about Wednesday night, uh, right before Jesus is, is arrested. And so he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. There's Matthew's account, there's Mark's account, and then there's Luke's account. We're going to be in Mark's account today, Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. And let's see what happens as Jesus gets ready for the cross. Mark 14, 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed. And this was his prayer. He said, If it were possible, thou might pass through him. And he said, here's his prayer, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, 
but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, talking about the disciples, and, and said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinner, sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Wow. So we're going to go just one verse at a time through this very simply. And we're going to try to immerse our brain and our heart in these verses in the next few minutes. There in verse 32... He says to the disciples, y'all sit right here while I pray. Now he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane, the word gath is the word for press. The word uh, shinam is the word for oil. Okay, so you put those two words together, the root words of those, and it's Gethsemane, gath shaman. Gethsemane. You with it? And that is an oil press. It was a stone bowl with a heavy, heavier stone and you put all the olives on it and then you put, you put the weight of that large stone on top of those olives and it would squeeze all of the oil, all of the juices out of those olives and trickle down into a, 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 another bowl at the bottom. This is where the Lord went many times. The disciples went there often. Jesus obviously wanted to get out of the city a lot of nights. And so he would go out to this garden and they would hang out there and they would play cards there. Probably not. But they would, they would mess around and, and you had 12 guys together. Can you imagine all the fun they had? And, and they were there and they're doing God's work. And, and this is a special place. And this is where he chooses to go right before he goes to save the world. And so he tells eight of his disciples, because they're minus one, Judas is not around yet. And so there's eight disciples. He says, hey, you guys stay right here. But you other three, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. Okay, so he has, he's close to the twelve, but he's a little bit closer to the other three. Some scholars say it's because they, they, wanted, they promised Jesus, hey, we want to be there when it gets tough. And so he said, okay, we're going to see. You're the, one, you're the three that spouted off about being faithful and, and, and trying to, to, to not bail out. And you, you, you rattled off about how committed you were. We're going to find out. So you three come with me. And so verse 33, He took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. The word there in verse 33, those words, it means he was startled. He was stunned. Now, Jesus 
is fully God. The, the mystery of Christmas, that, that God, Emmanuel, became a baby, became flesh, that God Almighty put on skin. And so He's fully God and He is fully man. And this is the mystery of this whole passage. It's so our minds cannot conceive fully what's happening here. So how can God be startled by anything? He know, knew it was coming. Well, it's because He was fully man. We know from the cross Jesus was thirsty. We know that Jesus got hungry. We know Jesus probably had a headache sometimes. He was, he was fully man, just like us. And then verse 34, He said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. Have your, has your soul ever been so heavy and sorrowful that it made you sick? Yeah, maybe. Well, Jesus is saying that His soul is so heavy in this moment. There is a weight, there is something going on in the spirit realm that is causing Him to be so overwhelmed that He says His body could die at any moment. He was near death. Think about that. Near death. And He tells the disciples to do what? To watch and pray. He wanted His friends to be with Him. He wanted them to, to, to be there, to watch, means to be spiritually aware. Keep your head in the game. Wake up. You may have saw the saw a video that went viral yesterday of a there was a lot of bad weather in North Mississippi and the, the news station out of Tupelo they were they were showing the weather and it was an intense moment and and uh, the the meteorologist is talking to the to the cameras and and all of a sudden there's there's the guy that is supposed to be helping him and he's not paying attention and so the meteorologist says hey John and apparently John didn't listen so he says hey go to the next slide you know. And he wasn't paying attention. How embarrassing for John. That video got shared a lot of times. And sometimes the Holy Spirit has to say to us, Hey, wake up. I'm doing something. This was a solo mission that Jesus had. Solo mission is this. When one does something alone because no one will go with them. And that's why the Lord told these three they had to stay there because there was nobody that could do what Jesus was going to do. Those guys couldn't do it. They could come, they could watch, they could pray, but they came to a point where they had to stop and let Jesus bear this cross for all of us. He says, I'm about to die. Do you have that man in your family? Then when he gets sick, he gets real dramatic. Anybody? Like that uncle or that grandfather or that dad? I mean, so there's, there's some men that, you know, they can have 99 degree temperature, they have a sore throat, and they need to be airlifted to the, the closest university hospital. Anybody know that man in your family that we're talking about? Mom can have 104 fever, she's got the flu, she's, you know, changing diapers and carrying on. I love Fred Sanford. <laughs> Elizabeth, I'm coming home. You know, you know, you've seen that. 
Sanford and Sons, my favorite TV show. Number one, all time, my favorite TV show. But Jesus here, he's not just saying, hey, I'm, about to, I, I'm near death. He means it. I mean, he is near death in this moment. And he's not even nailed to a cross yet. You know why? Because this cup that he's beginning to drink. The Bible tells us that his sweat, I think it's Luke's account, says that his sweat became like drops of blood. Medical doctors tell us today that when the body is under so much stress, it is possible for blood to pass through your sweat glands. When your body is in such severe pressure and stress and strain, the sweat became like drops of blood. In verse 35, it says he he goes a little farther, he fell on the ground. And he prayed that if it were possible... Now, this is the only time in all of the Bible that Jesus falls down on the ground face first. And he gets on the ground. He lays on the ground. And he prays that this hour, and the word hour there means the appointed time that God had set, prays that this hour may pass away. And he says, Abba, Father, the word Abba there, and he was saying it probably in Aramaic or Hebrew. Abba means daddy. He's saying, Abba, daddy, father. Oh, father. You can do anything. Nothing's impossible with you. Do you believe that today? Nothing's impossible with God. You know, some people don't want to believe that God can do anything. There's a lot of Southern Baptists don't want to believe that God can do anything. It's, it's like, you know, America's in such turmoil and nobody does what's right. And we just rather throw a pity party instead of saying, you know what, God can do anything. In the churches, we have a crisis of unbelief on our hands. People forget the God of the Bible. And so Jesus very well understood that God can do anything. And so He says, Father, You can do all things. You can do anything. I was there when you spoke the universe into existence. But he says, please remove this cup from me. But God, at the end of the day, not what I want, but what you want. And you know what God said to that prayer? He said, no. Please remove it from me. And God told Jesus the Son, no. Now us as Americans, we really struggle with that because we don't like taking no for an answer. But sometimes that's the best answer. And we can trust God the Father. He said no. No. You see, the only thing worse than Jesus drinking the cup was Him not drinking the cup. The only thing worse than Jesus drinking this cup was Him to not drink it, which would have been Him disobeying God the Father, disobeying God's will. And for Jesus, had He not drank the cup, it would have been infinitely better for Him, but for us it would have been infinitely worse. For him, it would have been great. But for us, it would have been, I mean, it's just no way to 
to articulate the gravity of what that would have meant for us. Not what I will, but you will. This is the Christian life. Not what I will, God, but but you. I trust you. Verse 36, he says, remove this cup. The old preacher Leonard Ravenhill says this question. What was in the cup? You ever drank something in the cup and you thought, I don't really know what this is. You ever uh, eaten at an Amish house, some people that were Amish, and they have their own water well out back, and they hand you a cup of water, and it's got stuff floating in it. It's got a film up the side of the water. You're like, man, you want me to drink this? You've been in a foreign country, and somebody set something in front of you, you say, oh, my gracious. Lord, pr- please protect my body. So what was in the cup? It's a good question. What was in the cup that made Jesus not want to drink it? Here's what was in the cup. The wrath of Almighty God was in the cup. You see, the Old Testament says that God in no way can clear the guilty because He's a righteous judge. He's a good judge. He's righteous. He's holy. And so there had to be atonement for the sins of all the people on the earth if they were going to be reconciled to God if there was going to be a relationship restored, if there was going to be sins forgiven, something had to cancel out that debt. Anybody ever, you ever been in a restaurant and, and somebody, you get up to the cash register and say, hey, it's been paid for, it's been taken care of. That ever happened to you before? Or maybe you're in a drive-thru and, and you're going through a drive-thru at Starbucks and they get up there and say, hey, this is a, somebody already paid for your whatever. What in the world? Well, that, that is what Jesus did on the cross. It's been paid for. And that's what we're about to see. That's what this whole thing's about. That's what Easter's about. The wrath of Almighty God. It's like a tidal wave. You guys remember the tsunami that happened in 2004 in Indonesia? Killed thousands and thousands and thousands of people. I think maybe even 100,000 people. It, this, the wrath of God is like a, a, a massive tidal wave. And it's headed straight for you. And it's coming. The wrath of God for your sin. And there's nothing that can stop it. You can call the ambulance, like we say in central Mississippi. You can call the police. Call the popo. You can call the president. You can call the president of China. You can get the NATO to help. You can get all the militaries in the world. But the wrath of God, that tidal wave is coming, headed for you. And it's here's what happened. What Jesus is about to do at this cross It's like there's an earthquake, the earth opens up, there's a large gap in the ground, and it just sucks up that tidal wave of wrath. All of it. That's the cup. Do you see it? He who has ears, let him hear. Do you see it? He's he's drinking the cup for you and for me. And there's not even nails in his hands yet. It, it, it wasn't necessarily the wood and the nails and the hanging on the cross. That was horrible. And the physical part of it was definitely part of the gospel. But it was so much more than that as well. It was the, the wrath of God being poured out on this man named Christ, named Jesus. He drank it. He didn't want want to drink it in this moment, the human part. 
but he was willing. The Bible says he, no one took his life, but he laid it down for his sheep. Verse 37, now here's the Lord, you know, praying. and there's, Can you imagine, this is the largest spiritual battle probably in history. This is, this is huge. This is the moment. This is the fourth quarter of Jesus' ministry. You know, there's, there's, there's 50 seconds left, and it's right down here, and this is the, the end of the game. This is the, the whole purpose why Jesus came to the earth. And, and look at the disciples. Verse 37, He came and He found them sleeping. And He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? He says, Simon, man, we're friends. I asked you to come and I asked you to be spiritually awake, to be on the alert, to watch. And I'm not asking you to stay up all night, brother. I just want you to just give me an hour. You fell asleep? Really? Can you imagine it was the very end of your life? Time is limited. You only have just a few minutes, a few hours. And your closest friends fall asleep on you? First Corinthians 16.13 says, Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. In this moment, these three, they were not being on the alert. Why, why is that? Would you have been awake? Would I have been awake? Well, these guys had seen miracles. It's easy for us to just throw mud at them. These guys had seen miracles. They saw things. Peter walked on water. Falling asleep. The point is this. The flesh is weak, isn't it? The flesh is weak. Verse 38 says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Keep your head in the game. He had to do it all by himself. Solo mission. If you're in the military and they send you on a solo mission, most of the time that's not a good thing. There's going to be a messy ending. Jesus had to do this all by Himself. And our representatives as other human beings is Peter and James and John in this moment. They represent all of us. And you know, they kind of blew it. They didn't do too good of a job. And it's a picture of our salvation. And here's the picture. Here's the truth if you want to write this down. We had nothing to do with our salvation except for the sin that made it absolutely necessary. We, you and I, had nothing to do with our salvation except for the sin that made it absolutely necessary. You say, Pastor, I'm willing. I'm willing as well. But Jesus warns us that even though we're willing, that our flesh is weak. And friend, you and I better learn how to die to that flesh totally or our Christian life will be riddled with negativity, complacency, compromise, and weakness if we don't learn how to die to that flesh totally. Totally. You know, Elizabeth Elliot, one of my favorite authors, her husband, 
was Jim Elliott, died in Ecuador. Elizabeth Elliott, the rest of her life was dedicated to the ministry before she went home to be with the Lord. And, and often at women's conferences, they would ask her, Elizabeth, you know, I, I struggle loving my husband and I struggle with this and I struggle with that. And, and I just, I'm trying so hard. And how do I deal with this sin or this temptation? And this is what she would tell them often. And it was so simple yet so profound and nobody does it. She says, here's what you need to do. Get down on your knees and open your hands and say this prayer. Lord, I renounce this in the name of Jesus. And by your grace, I will not retrieve it. And that's, that's how she taught those ladies to deal with their sin. Die to it totally. Get on your knees, open up your hands. I think today we all can do this, right? Get on our knees, open up our hands. Lord, I renounce this in the name of Jesus. And by your grace, I will not retrieve it. God, I need you to die to myself totally. So I will not, I might be tempted to grab hold of that. I may be tempted to grab hold of that that bottle, to grab hold of that sin again, or that jealousy or bitterness or whatever. God, but by your grace, Lord, I'm asking you to help me. God, I want to lay it down. And to leave it there. Oh, it's so hard to walk away and leave it there, isn't it? Because it's coming back at you. And it, it, it's work. And it, we have to learn how to die to ourselves. Isn't that what Jesus did in this whole picture in Gethsemane? I mean, His flesh, He was fully man. He certainly didn't want to drink from the cup. But what was His prayer? Lord, not my will, but Your will. Picture of the cross. And then he went away again and prayed, saying the same words. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping? Taking your rest. And then he says, It is enough, the hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And then we see in the next passage, betrayal and arrest of Jesus. He begins to go to that cross. So this week, during Holy Week, as you go about your day, I want to challenge you to think about that cross. Think about that old rugged cross Think about what, can you imagine, they, they came, and they came and arrested him, they put a chain on his arms, and maybe it was a, a rope and shackles. And Jesus walked out from that garden like a criminal. Jesus never said a bad thing about anybody, never had an impure thought or motive. Totally sinless. And they arrested him like a criminal drug him off and began to beat him. This is the first part of the Gospel. And next Sunday we get to see the rest of the story. But if God's working in your life, friend, you don't have to wait till next Sunday. Did you know that? You can deal with God the Father today 
He loves you. He's got a plan for your life. He's at work. He's doing all kinds of things. He's at work all over the world. He's operating. He's, he's got angels on missions doing things. He's got His people doing things. And if we're not careful, we'll be asleep the most of our adult life and we'll be missing out on what God's doing all around us. How sad would that be? Today, if you feel like you're asleep, if you feel like the Holy Spirit's got to be saying, hey, wake up. We're live. We're on the air. If you feel like that's the Lord talking to you, you just need to say, Lord, I'm tired of sleeping my way through life. And God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And God, I want to come and I lay down my small plans. And God, I want to take up your mission and your plan for my life. And God, it may not be glamorous and it may not get a lot of credit and it may not be fun, but God, I, I'm not my will, God, but your will. Can you say that to the Lord today? Say, I want to be like my Jesus and I want to come and say, God, not my will, but yours. God, I want to trust you. I want to trust you to know what you're doing. I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. Bow your head, not because it's super spiritual, but just because it helps you focus. And if God is stirring in your heart today, if you do not know Christ and you know He's convicting you, then I want to invite you to come and grab a pastor by the hand and let us pray with you and let us talk with you about how to receive Christ. If you want to sit in your seat, you can respond to the Lord today. Maybe you're just so much in anguish over your one. Would you lift up that to God today during our invitation that you would lift up that one person? That, that person that you've been praying for? And you may feel like, you know, this is a solo mission, me praying for my one. I would encourage you. It might be a solo mission for you, but God hears it. And those prayers reach the ear of God causes Him to act and causes Him to move and causes Him to intercede on behalf of that person. So whatever the Lord's saying to you as the Spirit speaks to His people, I want to challenge you to respond today to the reading of God's Word. Father, during this invitation, Lord, would you give people courage to deal with you?